0: Way. And if you got our newsletter on uh, Friday, we shared a, a joyful announcement with you as well uh, that we had for a long time had a posted position up on our website and then on a few places uh, on job boards online for a new pastoral resident for worship and teaching. And we would had over the past year and a half a couple of people who uh, considered that opportunity that we just didn't discern the timing uh, or the fit was right at that moment. And then about two months ago, uh, Simeon reached out that he was, uh, his hometown is Fresno, California, and he was going to be moving now to Ohio to do a one-year Bible program in Worcester. And so saw the opportunity that we had listed on our website, and he applied. And he has a last name that stuck out to me. His last name is Nenado. Uh, He is my cousin Nathan's oldest son, and he was moving here and inquired about the possibility of while in school, uh, working part-time for us as our pastoral resident for worship and teaching. So then we quickly introduced him to Michael and all of the praise team, uh, as well as the staff, and uh, had opportunities to connect with him uh, virtually until he moved here. And then once he moved here, he's been able to be with us for about a month now in worship. You might've seen him two weeks ago helping be part of the team. And uh, after just much time and prayer and discussion, we're thankful for the way that the Lord has brought him here to Ohio and now specifically to Lakeside. And we are officially welcoming him uh, onto our staff team uh, to serve with us part-time for the next two years while he completes his theological education. And so uh, you, though you maybe have seen him, we now invite you to join us in just making him feel at home here in the church and to introduce yourself to him. And also give him grace for the amount of names that he is going to try to keep track of uh, for a bit. Uh, and uh, we just look forward to him getting to meet you and you getting to meet him as well. And so we're thankful, Simeon, that you're with us. And we're just going to take a time for Michael and I uh, now to just to say a prayer of blessing over you. So, Michael, I'll give you this. Yep. Mike. And are you going to read something?
1: Well, I'm going to pray it. Okay. So,
0: yeah. He's got a scripture that he's going to pray over you. So would you join us in yep. now a time of prayer?
1: Well, let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Simeon. We thank you for his willing heart. And we thank you so much um, just for the, how evident it is that he loves you. And we do pray, God, um, as Paul did in Colossians, that he would be filled with the knowledge of, his, of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding and would walk in a manner worthy of you fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in your knowledge, Lord, as he continues to study your word and as he's going to school and, and serving here at Lakeside. We just thank you for his heart that is, it just shows how much he loves you. And we pray, Lord, that you would just be glorified in his work here, that he would continue to learn and grow in you, and that your spirit would just continue to lead him. Um, and we just thank you so much for him, Lord.
0: And Heavenly Father, we just pray your blessing as you have invited all of us as your children to worship you with our heart, soul, and mind, and that we're all called to do that, whatever our opportunities are vocationally. We can do it as stay-at-home parents. We can do it as retirees. We can do it uh, working in accounting, and there's also opportunities to do it in a serving the local church. And so we thank you for the way that you have uh, gifted Simeon uh, in music and in his mind and his desire to use those gifts specifically in the local church. And so we do pray that as he has this opportunity now both to study and to apply what he's studying uh, in our congregation, that you would just uh, bless him, uh, that this would be an experience that draws him closer to you, and we look forward to the ways that even as a church, we can become stronger and better through his influence, Uh, but we also recognize that there is an enemy of our souls who wants to discourage us, who wants to uh, bring shame to the name of Jesus, and so we know that whenever we step out to serve you and to be public in our faith and in our service, uh, that we also have to be on guard, and so we do pray for your protection over him, uh, that you would... um, Help him to know that uh, in all of the experiences that he has, that he can always cling to you, uh, that he is uh, always able to cry out to you in prayer, even as he tells others about you, uh, that you would just continually remind him of the grace that he will need that he extends to others. And we just pray your blessing uh, on the time that we have uh, to serve together with him uh, and to be ministered to by him. And we just thank you for this answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join me in welcoming Simeon? And I invite you now to take a Bible and open it to Psalm 40. Be reading Psalm 40 in its entirety on this first Sunday of October. And so, if you're able to follow along, this is how it reads I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. In sacrifice and offering you've not delighted, but you have given me an open ear, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. O my God, your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning. Here the psalm opens in in rejoicing. Um, The Psalms have uh, different tones as we've seen demonstrating that the psalmist can express the full range of emotions in worship to God and here it it begins primarily in thanksgiving and so the first thing we see is that the psalmist is rejoicing in answered prayer Uh, a few of just the the preceding psalms were uh, psalms where the the psalmist was crying out and, and saying to himself that he needs to wait for the Lord and, and saying that in faith, to be patient for the Lord's deliverance to come. And here in Psalm 40, he opens up and, and celebrates the goodness that's happened because he waited for the Lord. That in previous times in his life, when things were unsure and uncertain, and he waited, wondering how things would work out, and then seeing God answered those prayers, he's now rejoicing in answered prayer. He's reminding himself of those previous times when God came through. And it says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my feet secure. If you've ever had that experience of walking in ground that's so muddy or slimy that now your own weight becomes the problem as you're trying to get out of it. And so any sort of attempt to step makes you feel like you're gonna slip even further. And then he's rejoicing to say, I'm not in on that kind of ground anymore. I'm on something solid, and I can stand right where I am. And he's so excited about that that he says it's put a new song in his mouth. There's this desire on his part to express his thankfulness in worship and in praise. That's why we give time and attention to writing songs and to uh, thinking creatively about how to play them because we believe that God's deliverance is worthy of our acknowledgement and our our praise, our time and our effort to glorify him for the things that he has done. And we all need to take time and specifically remember the good things that he has done and the things that he has brought us through. Uh, Because I don't know if you're like me, but there's certain things where you might say to yourself, well, I'll never forget this. I'll always remember this. And then time just passes. And then you realize, I, I can't remember what happened a month ago. I can't remember what happened two years ago. I can't remember what happened 20 years ago. And so having uh, taking the time and the discipline to record some of those things specifically so that even if you do forget it, you have somewhere where you can access it and say, God, back here is where I know you delivered me and brought me through. And we know many different uh, stories that we read about in the scripture we can think of points along the way where uh, there was dark times there was discouraging experiences they had in the life of jacob in the life of joseph in the life of david eventually in the life of paul but we see that god brought them through different experiences and part of what we have in recorded scripture is their collective desire that you and i would remember those things So that not only do we have our memories of his deliverance, but we believe that part of our own faith story is their faith story. And so sometimes our encouragement comes from remembering how God brought Jacob all the way through, how God brought Joseph all the way through, how God was there with David every time David needed him. And those stories themselves can be our encouragement and cause us to rejoice in God and in all the answered prayers that he has done throughout the years. Uh, Friday night for Amy and I was an experience that uh, it just, uh, it stood out to me in a unique way because uh, our oldest is now a fifth grader and uh, in fifth grade the one thing he had to choose as an elective was band or choir and I kind of wanted him to choose choir but he chose band Uh, and I'll now have to sit through a lot of band uh, concerts uh, over the, the next several years that if, if I come to your mind and you want to pray in that regard, I, I welcome it uh, to do so. And forgive me if you were in band and love band. I'm sure you are great at it and I'm sure your uh, sixth grade performances were wonderful. Um, but I have a couple of years of thinking this, uh, what is in front of me, Lord willing, uh, to enjoy. But he chose band and so he had his first commitment or obligation after school where for the high school football game, none of them even had their instruments yet. So the fifth graders were simply given the assignment in the song Hang On Sloopy to do the OHIO. And so we had to drop them off at a certain time and then come to the game and see him do his thing. And it just hit me as soon as then Amy and I sat down in the stands waiting for it to all happen. I just looked at her and I said, how are we here? How, how do we have someone old enough That has an activity and a responsibility like we've done this for nephews and nieces we've done this for friends like we've done this for other people how is it that we are now old enough that this is we're actually waiting on our son to come out and do this and so it just made me think back his own life in particular and at different ages there were two different times where we had different health concerns about him that Shook us that, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. What's going on with him? And it resulted in a lot more follow-up tests because even the doctors were like, we're not really sure what that is, and so we're going to test these different things. And God answered our prayers in that first instance. And then a few years later, something else happened that was totally new and surprising to us, and we were unsure what it was going to involve. And it's amazing how now in continued growth and health we can almost forget that those times happened and something about Friday night just made me in my mind go back to all of those things and say wow the Lord has been so gracious and so kind that we are here I'm surprised that it feels like I blinked and all of a sudden we're here and I wonder where all the time went but there were moments before this where we were crying out to God and we were waiting on him to answer our prayers for deliverance and for health and for healing. And we all need to remember the things that God has brought us through, and we need to rejoice in them. We need to celebrate those things. A few weeks ago, we talked about how confession and worship always go together in Scripture, and they do. Uh, but so does rejoicing, celebrating. Uh, and so there should be an element of gratitude and thankfulness that accompanies our worship that God is great and worthy of our praise, and he has also done great things for us. Such that the psalmist says, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. And blessed could be translated happiness or joyful, that we should be of all people most thankful for all the ways that God has brought us through and has answered the prayers of our hearts. And so much so that for David, as he writes this, he, he realizes in his rejoicing for answered prayer, he also wants to return to authentic worship. It's appropriate um, for the Old Testament saints and thinking through the things that God has brought them through and to express their thanks, to bring an offering to worship as one of the ways to express that thankfulness. And that's true, but in a very surprising way, David goes even further, beginning in verse 6, to say... Actually, I think God deserves even more of that, more than just a sacrifice. Verse 6, In sacrifice and offering you've not delighted, but you've given me an open ear, burnt offering and sin offering you've not required. And then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It's written to me, I delight to do your will. O oh my God, your law is within my heart. You'd almost stop at verse 6 and say, in sacrifice and sacrifice an offering, you've not delighted. You haven't required a burnt offering and a sin offering. Well, wait a minute, David. Have you read Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy? These are required by God. So what is he saying now when he's saying you've not required those things? Well, as he goes on to explain, he's saying you've not required only those things. Even those things are meant to be reminders for us that what God desires is the whole of our lives as an expression of our gratitude and thankfulness for all that he's done. So it's not that he didn't require the other offerings, but all of those offerings along the way were meant to be signs and pointers that what God from the beginning has always desired is that we would worship him from the inside out. That he would have the whole of our heart in worship and Paul describes it this way in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. This is very much the heart of uh, Psalm 40 when Paul describes to the, the believers in Rome what worship is supposed to be like. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Paul is accurately summarizing what David is saying in Psalm 40. That with whatever offerings we do bring, they're supposed to be reminders for us of all the other ways God wants us to worship him. And so worship is never meant to be transactional. Like, I'll give God a little bit of this so finally I can be free to go do the things I want to do. And so I can live selfishly most of the time, but if occasionally I make a generous offering, then I'm doing okay. And David is saying, no, no, no. The whole point of, of giving and being reminded of the offerings we have to do is so that when we're in other situations, we also realize I could be selfish here or I could be generous in spirit. I could be kind to these other people. And wouldn't it be consistent that if if I'm making one kind of offering that I'd make the same kind of offering? Or Jesus, uh, even in his teaching in the New Testament, uh, talked about what's the point of coming together and bringing an altar, but being so bitter and angry at your brother that you, you won't even talk to them. Jesus said it's actually better that you you not make the offering, and you go reconcile with your brother so that then when you come in worship, you do it with a clean conscience. Because from the beginning, the whole point of our public worship has been to inspire and be connected to our whole life is worship. And that's what God desires of us. And so this the phrase that's used here in Psalm 40 when he says... Um, you have given me an open ear, is a figure of speech to say, God has opened up my hearing so that I can really hear what he wants. And there you might think of Jesus often at the end of a teaching saying, let those who have ears to hear, hear. Here the psalmist is saying, he's given me one of those ears. He's opened up my ear as a figure of speech for his whole body to say, God's got my attention. I'm really listening to him. I'm listening to him with an eagerness and a desire to obey him in everything. And so he has not desired a burnt offering or a sin offering only, but actually he wants me to delight to do his will and to do it with all my heart. And that's what David recognizes. The hymn writer picked up on this in... um, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's the last verse of that hymn when he says, if the whole realm of nature was mine, that would still be an offering far too small. That love, the love we know from God through Jesus, so amazing, so divine, it demands my heart, my life, my all. a profound realization on the part of the hymn writer. If I had all of the earth to give to God as an offering and everything in it, it's still too small. Because even with all of that, we're just giving back to God what he's already given to us. He made the earth. He made the beauty of the earth and its flowers and its vegetation and its food. And so even if we had it all to give to him, it's an offering far too small. And it's in this spirit of worship that the writer to the book of Hebrews then goes on to highlight for us the very great sacrifice that our Lord Jesus has made, and so I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, where Psalm 40 is quoted to describe the great gift of Jesus himself on behalf of each of us. Is Hebrews chapter 10. We'll, we'll read verses 1 through 10. In the middle of it, he's quoting Psalm 40. It says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near, otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would... No longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Psalm 40, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So here Jesus is taking Psalm 40 and in recognizing his own mission, that as he was given the responsibility to come and to bring salvation of the world, that that offering was not, again, just going to be sort of transactional where he'd give one thing here or one thing there, but the offering that would be required would be his whole body, his whole life. And so the question was, would he be willing to do that or not? And the answer of his his life and death and resurrection is that when all was required of him, he gave all that he understood that the will of his father was to present himself completely as a sacrifice for our sins, as a sacrifice that would require then no more sacrifices to be offered because it would be so sufficient to now cover the sins of the world. And so it's the opposite of our conundrum where we can sing with a hymn writer where the whole realm of nature mind we couldn't offer enough If it's our Lord Himself who comes into this world and offers all of Himself as a sacrifice, we believe that is now a sufficient sacrifice for all the sins of the world. That anybody and everybody who wants to come to Him can come. That He has made the payment for our sins. And so Psalm 43 points us forward to Hebrews 10 and it helps us to remember our awesome God, that his love for us is so great and so powerful and so effective that he could do what none of us could. What we couldn't do for ourselves individually, he was able to do for all of us collectively. And we, when we remember how awesome our God is, that that is how he ordained it to be, we have all the more reason to rejoice in the way he answered prayer. To return ourselves back to the heart of worship for the great love that he has had. And so then the psalmist also, as it gets closer to the end, what, he re, what we eventually learn is though he started off rejoicing and he started off glad, he was now facing a new challenge in his life. And he was coming back to God in prayer and asking God to help him again, to deliver him again. So he was looking back and saying, I, I used to be in a bad place and you set my feet on a rock. And then we find out actually... He's in another bad place again. He feels surrounded by enemies, by people who seek to harm him. And he comes back to God and says, would you deliver me again? And so when we remember our awesome God, it should be an invitation for each and every one of us to greater prayer. If he loved us so much that he was willing to make the complete sacrifice necessary for our sins... Why would he now not want to continue to hear from us in prayer? Why would he not want us to come and and expose our hearts before him in all of its parts, and all of its various emotions? But I don't know if you struggle at times to wonder if he still really cares or if, uh, if, if he would be willing to forgive us again should we stumble again. And so we need reminders of how great his love is that if he didn't love us enough to forgive us, he wouldn't have loved us enough to die for us. If he loved us enough to die for us, then right now, for whatever new thing you're going through, whatever uncertainty is uh, capturing your mind and your heart right now, you have every reason to trust that he is ready and willing to be there for you and to answer your prayers again. Uh, this is a book on prayer that I've been uh, reading. It was assigned to me a long time ago, um, but it's one of those just like if you've ever watched a movie multiple times and then you realize how much of the movie you missed uh, as, you were, as the story was kind of unfolding. Reading a book is like that times 10. It, it's, it does feel harder more and more to get people to read books, and so telling people to read books multiple times feels like a bigger challenge, but I submit to you, if it's a book worth reading again, and you go through it, you'll be amazed at how many things you miss along the way, or because now you've had new experiences in your life, uh, they just hit you in a different way because of those experiences. Uh, But this is written uh, by a man named Halsby, who was a Norwegian pastor. He led part of the Norwegian clergy's resistance to the Third Reich in World War II, and he was imprisoned for his faith, and then wrote a couple of devotional works Uh, in that time but he says this in prayer Jesus comes to sinners awakens them from their sleep in sin converts them forgives them their sins makes them his children then he takes the weak hand of the sinner and places it in his own strong nail pierced hand and says come now I'm going with you all the way and will bring you safe home to heaven If you ever get into trouble or difficulty, just tell me about it. I will give you without reproach everything you need and more besides day by day as long as you live. So that causes him to reflect and say, From this, it's very apparent that the children of God can grieve Jesus in no worse way than to neglect prayer the children of God can grieve Jesus in no worse way than to neglect prayer. And when you tie that together with Psalm 40 in the psalmist says, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. And now in our lives, we all will face new things that we've never experienced before. And when we come with them and the opportunity is presented to trust him again, There's no way we could hurt his father heart more than to not trust him, to not lay it back down at his feet. Because all along the way, he's been telling us, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing. I'm the one standing at the door and knocking. You just need to open the door. We're never more eager than he is to care for our needs. And so as we remember our awesome God, the way we do that and honor him is the same way that the psalmist does. And so he concludes, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. And for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. He's my help and my deliverer, my God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And that as we all can think back in our lives and identify times where you have answered many prayers that we have wrestled with, that you've resolved situations and circumstances that were beyond our own capacity to do so. We thank you for that. And we thank you ultimately that your son was willing to give the whole of his life for each and every one of us. And we do pray that you would uh, allow that truth to settle in our hearts in such a way that we would live in the complete freedom to bring everything to you. That there is no part of our life and there's no part of our fears or emotions that we cannot bring to you in prayer. That we cannot allow you access to and trust you with. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to continually lay our lives down before you and experience the blessing of those who trust in you and not in ourselves. Lord, you see that we are poor and needy, and we thank you that you are the cornerstone that each and every one of us can rely on. And so we, we surrender our lives and we lift up our hearts in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.